This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. I'm your host, John Williamson, and uh, this is a bonus episode. So, um, still uh, hard at work. Uh, my voice is a little hoarse right now, and you might be able to tell. Um, I've been doing a ton of recording. Probably more, I've booked more interviews in the last two months than I think I've done even in previous years. And so, um, there is a method to my madness, and I will talk about that when I release the uh, season teaser trailer here in a couple weeks. So uh, more to come on that. But in the meanwhile, to uh, tide you over, I uh, reached out to an old friend. And so if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, you will recognize this voice as Mr. Adam Narlock. And so Adam and I started the podcast together seven years ago. I miss him greatly, but uh, um, he and I talk all the time and he misses you, sends his love. But uh, I was going back through our archives, and uh, I realized that in the early days, very, very early days, we're talking the first like month we were in existence, uh, we didn't know what we were going to be quite yet. And so if you go back and listen to the early episodes, uh, audio quality, not great. Uh, Adam and I didn't know what we were doing, uh, but we were kind of, so you kind of see the growth and the maturation over, over time, but we also weren't sure exactly uh, what type of podcast we're going to be at that point. Initially, we thought we were just going to record episodes between the two of us, do heavy amounts of research, um, and release maybe one a month or so. And so to provide some additional content, we thought it'd be fun to do recommended readings. Um, and, and so we recorded a recommended readings podcast, and I think we even labeled it part one or number one with the intentions on doing more. And seven years later, we're finally delivering on that promise, guys. We're coming through finally. So here is your part two, and we hope to do more of these in the future. Um, Adam is a voracious reader. Uh, and uh, thank God for awesome improvements in technology. Um, I, I texted him earlier today and I said, hey, what are you doing? Do you got 15 minutes you can jump online? And he said, sure. And uh, Adam's always reading something interesting. And um, what I've always loved about Adam is, is he and I have very different uh, interests, but we, we meet in that common ground in the middle. And so I'm always fascinated to hear what he's reading. And um, he's always just very well-rounded. So even if it's not directly related to spirituality per, per se, um, as he even says um, uh, on this episode, you can find uh, find the divine in weird places. So 
Hopefully you enjoy this. I'm going to try my best to go back and write down every single book we talked about so I can put it in the show notes. But um, here you go. Uh, This is our second one. And hopefully you enjoy this. And here are the books that uh, he and I have read that we highly recommend. Um, So here you go. And uh, like I said, a couple weeks, look out for the teaser. Teaser. I guess it's a teaser, the season preview uh, for this next season. Um, I hope to have the season launch in March. So uh, right now it's shaping up pretty well. Like I said, tons of interviews and um, uh, feeling pretty good about being able to launch in, in, in March. But I want to make sure that we, I have uh, enough content to go consecutive weeks. So uh, more to come on that. But uh, excited to share all that content with you. Lots of fun series that I've, I've got put together. So uh You'll be hearing from me soon. And otherwise, enjoy this and enjoy uh, Adam's sultry voice. All right. Do you believe in love? Because I'm alone. Do you believe in hell? Because I am helpless. This water I am treading is now. Don't you love that countdown? <laughs> I know. That's, su- that's super cool, man. Uh, welcome, Adam. Uh, I just I just texted Adam and I said, "Hey, Adam, what are you doing? Do you have 15 minutes? Um, we we owe our uh, OG listeners from seven years ago <laughs> a part two recommended reading because it was a part. There's a part one, and then there was nothing after that. So um, I was like, you know, what? let's do a recommended reading. It's been a while, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just sitting on the couch reading, so that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, you can recommend the book you're reading, but um, I, and I will. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, this is crazy. Uh, the technology, I was just remarking on this the other day. I was talking to somebody. I'm like, when we first started, the only technology that existed was Skype. And if you go back and listen to our original episodes, the audio quality, not great. Not stellar. <laughs> no. One Nothing silver to be super proud of. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, so like, um, you're a voracious reader, uh, as am I. So let's talk about what, what, are, you, uh, what are you reading right now? Man, so I'll tell you what, since I'll tell you what I'm reading right now, but you're right. Since we promised this seven years ago, <laughs> I'm probably also going to give some highlights of some of my favorites from yes. the last, like maybe five years. Perfect. <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll kind of go all over the place. Um, currently right now I'm reading a book that I'm embarrassed that I haven't read by now. Because I literally bought it, and the only reason I know this is because I inscribed it in the in the middle of the or in the front cover of the book is Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. Oh wow. Okay. I've always wanted to read it. I read or I read most of um Brian Greene's Elegant Universe. Yep. And I just, you know, it, I'm not really a math guy, and it's a stretch for my brain to really follow this stuff, but this is such a well-written book for lay people. And it is just one of those things that, um, I think through, through our podcast, one of the things that a common theme that came up over and over again for me was just how foolish it is to relegate certain things as spiritual topics, ideas, or, um, content and other things as like secular or worldly or whatever, when anything that does a good job accessing or um, processing what it means to, to, to be alive 
and to interact with the real world is to me a very spiritual thing, whether it's physics (laughs) or (laughs) theology or philosophy or a really good novel that accesses like the heart of what it means to wrestle with existence as a human being in a complex world with complex relationships and complex realities. Um, that has just been a great journey for me into, into things like this. So yeah, right now, Stephen Hawking's a brief history of time. I'm on chapter three. I just started it like two days ago. So I'm actually making pretty good time and it's, it's awesome. That's so fun, man. I remember we, for, for people who've been listening for a long time, uh, they probably are, aware of the fact that you and I have always felt like science and, um, spirituality, you know, go together. And, you know, we had, uh, Dr. Michio Kaku on, which is mm. one of my favorite episodes we ever did. Um, yes. but yeah, that stuff's fascinating. I think it, it helps kind of expose, I think a little bit of creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause there's so much mystery out there. So many things we don't know yet. Like what is, you know, uh, dark matter, you know, and, and all mm-hmm. these like, things that we we've just now started to, to study that we don't understand yet. So I think that's interesting. Have you seen, um, Yeah, no, it's amazing. Have you seen the Netflix documentary about, it's partly about Stephen Hawking's work, but it's about uh, black holes or no, I'm sorry. No. Infinity. no, I can't remember now. Now I'm confusing the two. I watched the two documentaries back to back, but there's one on infinity Ooh. And that's fascinating. And it gives like a visual uh, kind of, display of one of the theories and then there's one on black holes because we really don't know a lot about black holes either and one of those two um stephen hawking's i i want to say his students were working on um some of the the calculations surrounding it it was absolutely fascinating oh man that's awesome i'll I'll definitely have to check that out yeah maybe maybe some scotch first though it's like (laughs) you're like okay we're tiny (laughs) always I love that, man. That helps. That helps with everything. What about you? What are you? Re- what are you digging into right now? Uh, a couple of the books I pulled out for this. Uh, one of the books I read uh, several years ago now that I thought, if you're interested in um, world religions, specifically Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, Judaism, um, a, a lot of these different world religions, uh, there's a book called "God Is Not One" by Stephen Prothero. Yeah. He's um, fantastic, and uh, I'm actually going to have him on this season. Finally nailed him down, but it's just a really well-written book that's, I think, accessible in the sense that it kind of gives you a good high-level overview of the different religions. And um, for me, it was eye-opening in a lot of ways because it, you know, there are a lot of things I thought I knew. Mm. Um, but yeah, really, really fascinating book. So if you're interested in just kind of like a one one book that kind of gives you a nice overview of those different Does that religions. Come out like- did that come out like about 10 years ago? Cause I think I read a few chapters of that when it, when it first came out, just like sitting at Barnes and Noble. It was, let me see here. 2000. Yeah. 2010. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. I remember, I remember when that hit the shelf um, and I was like, Oh, this looks interesting. Yeah. He's got a new one coming out that, that looks really interesting that we'll, that we're going to talk about um, in a couple weeks. So interested to see, see what that's all about. So, Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, since we haven't talked about books in, uh, seven years, <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back a little ways, like what, what are, cause I know you and I talk, um, you, you typically will, will reach out and say, Hey, this book blew my mind. And I know there have been multiple times where you've had some, some good ones. 
Man, uh, uh, let me tell you something. Um, I'd never read any Alan Watts before. Oh, interesting. Um, I'd only like maybe consumed a few like of his kind of talks on on YouTube or you know some some podcast uh, like recordings of some of his talks. And he's he's so charismatic and and fun to listen to. Um, he's got a great accent, and um, so I finally just grabbed one of his more accessible books. It's called the The Wisdom of Insecurity. Uh, it's a it's a little book, and it, the subtitle is "A Message for an Age of Anxiety." Wow, how appropriate! And, <laughs> and it's awesome. Um, I think I remember texting you, and I was reading it, and being like, I, I honestly feel like I'm reading like a Richard Rohr or a like a Pete Rollins book. Oh, and it just had the same kind of tone, um, really almost universalizing a lot of the the concepts that religion and philosophy are sort of grasping at. And boiling it down to like really um, accessible and uh, not just accessible, but, um, you know, uh, like a shared language that like anybody from any walk of life could be like, yeah, that's what I believe. And it was, it was really, really good. So I think it was written in the 50s and just, just excellent, just absolutely excellent um, book. I think the big takeaway that I had from it is the source of most of our anxiety is the need for reality to be something other than it is. Mm. So we're not very, we have a pretty crummy relationship with reality. Typically as human beings, our ego needs things to be a certain way for our ego to, to be in shape. And when it feels threatened, and we feel like things are out of control, we resort to all kinds of ways to lie to ourselves or think about how we can get things back to a place where we feel like our, our way of coping with reality or um, mapping out how things are going to be or um, relishing, you know, nostalgia, relishing in the nostalgia of the past. Um, and, and really, you're not, you're not really living if all you're ever trying to do is plan so that your future is how you want it to be or live in a way of looking at the past, which is just also a mental construct. And so his, his suggestion is like what all of the, you know, what Jesus and anybody else is like, this is all driven by your ego, which is your image of yourself. And just like Jesus said, you know, you can't, enter the kingdom of heaven unless you die to yourself. That's essentially what Buddhism is saying in, a, in another way. It's essentially what uh, uh, the, the Upanishads say in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, a lot of philosophy, you know, stoicism. This is just a really recurrent kind of, like what Richard Rohr would talk about, like a perennial wisdom mm-hmm. of you got to admit that you just have a really crummy relationship with reality yeah. and that you need reality to look a certain way so that your fragile little ego can remain intact. And really what you need to do is learn how to die. Yeah. yeah you need to just forget all that. Just forget all that. Man, so that's, that's fascinating. Oh, it's so good. It was, it was really, really good. And it's, and it's short, but it's dense. Yeah, it's really, really good, man. Loved it. Um, here's another one that's a blast from the past. But again, this is, this is why I love to read. 
Um, my son is in sixth grade now, and my son loves to read. Comes home from school a couple weeks ago, and he's like, Dad, I am reading like the best book ever. And I'm like, oh, really? You're like, what is it? And he goes, it's The Outsiders. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know. I didn't know that they, they started that one that, that young. So maybe, my maybe, son's, maybe. My, he, he's in advanced, uh, you know, reading class or whatever, like the, you know, the, whatever the like leveled up kind of souped yeah. up, you know, reading group is, but they only let him read like, you know, a, like an excerpt every day because they're trying to keep everybody like on the same page. And he's like, uh, uh-uh, <laughs> I want to finish it like now. <laughs> so That's I had to run out, run out to the bookstore and, and get him a used copy of The Outsiders, and he's just loving it. And I was like, man, I either, I know I had to read it, but I either just cheated and didn't really read it, or my parents were really fundamentalist Christian at the time. I may not have been allowed to read it. <laughs> That's possible. It's, it's, so it's, it's one, of, one of those it, right? two things, because yeah. I remember themes from it. I remember characters' names. I remember... You know the Soches versus the Greasers and yeah. Pony Boy and <laughs> that's the name. I remember, that up. yeah, and I remember all that stuff, but I don't remember anything that happens in the book at all. So I sat down and read it, and just couldn't put it down. And I felt like it was uh, some really similar concepts to a lot of what you know the wisdom that I'm picking up in a lot of these you know philosophical or theological works is of just the commonality of of the struggle of life. And, and learning how to be honest about that struggle and learning how to have empathy and, um, the, the kind of tagline from the book is when one of the characters is dying and they reference a Robert Frost poem about, um, how all that's gold can't stay. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, the one character says to the other, like, stay golden pony boy, like basically like continue to have a childlike faith continue to look at sunsets and find them beautiful continue to find like the simple pleasures of life and just you know be honest with yourself and have that sort of that childlike faith it's just universal stuff yeah that, so, it's, it's awesome young adult lit man it's <clears throat> there are some classics out there that that still mm. hit hard um mm. and i'm going through a similar thing with fiona like she's she's so far ahead we're having the problem now where um she's at such an advanced level but it's hard to find uh, books for her to read that are still age appropriate. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, she can read at a really high level, but a lot of the characters and the, and the subject matter is probably not appropriate for her age. So yeah. it's been really yeah. tricky trying to find, but yeah, she'll, she'll just absolutely devour books too. And it's, we, we did such a good job of parenting, man. I got to tell you, <laughs> it's, it's like, one of my, one of my great joys is to see my kids love to read it's so fun. Man, too. I didn't when I, I didn't when I was a kid. Really? That no, no that surprises me. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I didn't I didn't start to love to read until high school. Wow. Interesting. No. Man. And I, I think it's so fun now, like you said, because she'll pick up books. Like we went through, we read The Hobbit together. Oh. And and that was one of my favorite books growing up. And so like to reread that for the first time since I was in probably fourth grade. Uh, it was really cool. And, uh, you know, we're going through HP right now, you know, Harry Ooh, Potter. Yep. So we're on, we're on uh, the Goblet of Fire. So it's been really fun to, to kind of read oh, it. Oh, that's from, when it gets good. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, that's when it gets starts. good. The first three books are definitely like kids' books. Yeah. Goblet of Fire is when J.K. Rowling levels up. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, like to your point though, like some of these other like classic books, uh, that she, that we've read together, you start from an adult perspective, uh, start to catch some things that you didn't, you were just too young to understand at the time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, fantastic, man. Um, I'm going to throw one out there. One that I just read and we're getting ready to do a series on this one. Um, it's with, uh, Megan divine. Mm hmm who wrote the book, it's okay that you're not okay meeting grief and loss in a culture that doesn't understand. Um, mm. one of the best books I've ever read. Um, definitely probably the best book I've ever read on the subject of grief. Mm. <clears throat> so this one I recommend for everybody, no matter if you are currently yourself grieving or have grieved, or if you're just somebody in the, in the orbit of someone who's grieving and trying to figure out how best to support them. Cause we do a horrible job at that, you know, like we don't really, it's, it's an awkward thing, especially within Western culture. Cause like, you know, one of the things we talk about in the interviews too, that coming up is talk about the fact that like, what, what's the, what do you say? Like when somebody comes up to you and they're like, Hey, how are you doing, man? Fine. Yeah. Great. And your life could be falling apart, but you still say I'm great. Yeah, I'm good. Man. That's what people say. And I'm not, this is not like me. The one I, so when I did a values assessment a couple years ago for work, my, two of my highest values are authenticity and vulnerability. I could see I, that. <laughs> I just, I just have an allergy to faking it. And so typically if somebody's like, like, you know, like when you and I, we hadn't talked in a little while when you, when you called me today and we started just kind of BSing for a little bit before we hit record. Um, no, we were talking about all the stuff that we're stressed out about. Yeah, exactly. I, I just find that it connects you more to people. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't really want to look as much like I have it all together. I would much rather find a common ground to connect in reality with people. So I, I love to be like, if somebody's like, Hey, how's it going? I'm going to like, I mean, I'm making it, but it kind of sucks right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the whole premise of this book too, is, is giving permission to people to be where they are. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time it's like, you're in a place where 
things are not good. You know, mm-hmm. like things are falling apart. Like if you would have talked to me three months ago, I'm like, my life is literally falling apart around me. Like my dad's in the hospital getting ready to have surgery. My mom just passed away. My relationship came to an end. I just got COVID again. Like all this stuff oh. was happening. And like, you know, uh, as, as Megan Devine says in her book, acknowledgement is everything. Uh, it is. She, she says, uh, and, and sometimes you just need the straight truth. She, she even says in the book, you're in pain. It can't be made better. Like it, it's a relief to hear that. Yeah. She's like, you don't need solutions. You don't need to move on from your grief. You need someone to see your grief, to acknowledge it. You need someone to hold your hands while you stand there in blinking horror, staring at the hole that was your life. Some things cannot be fixed. They can only be carried. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's legit, man. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's one of those themes that keeps popping up. You know, it goes back to what you said about authenticity. Sometimes like you just need somebody to be real with you. And like, I, th- I think we go into problem solving mode, or at least I know I do. Like, oh, absolutely. Fix it. I'm like, I can't fix that for you. I can't bring that person back from the dead. Nope. And there's nothing I can say that's going to make you feel better, you know? And so like I talked about like the best, the, the best reaction that I got after my mom passed was, uh, and it was predominantly people like our age or younger. So it, we seem to be learning at least a little bit would say, Hey man, I am so sorry. Um, is there anything that you need? And that's it. No platitudes, no like trying to sympathize by way of like giving examples in their own life. Oh man, that's none of that. That that's one that drives me nuts when yeah. people do that. Yeah. It, it, it's awful. And she talks about that in the book too. It's just like, it, it's a, uh, and I, I, I would do it too. I'd find myself. Oh yeah. I remember when this happened to me. You know, it like minimizes their grief or their pain and it puts a spotlight on me, you know? Yeah. And it's yep. like, that's not what's needed in the moment. You just have to no. say, I'm sorry. I think it always comes from a good place of like a, like a warped sense of empathy. Absolutely. Like, oh, I can relate. I can relate. You're not alone. But it never lands that way. No. No, it never comes across that way. But yeah, great book. Highly recommended for anybody. It's, it's useful for, like I said, if you're, if you're currently... Uh, grieving yourself, or even if you want to be a better support to those around you who are, who are going through grief, it's just an absolute wonderful, um, absolutely wonderful tool. So I love that. It's my next one. (laughs) I love that. There's, there's so many other ones that I could throw out there. Um, right now, let me just kind of pick a few off the top of my head. Um, you know, for, so here's a good one. Um, I think that we live in an age where, especially because of technology, and I think it's gotten even worse post-COVID, there is just this propensity to try to do a million things and, and overcommit. Mm-hmm. And I think our culture in general has a really warped sense of, uh, of boundaries yeah. and focus. And um, a book that I've, I've read uh, now twice... Um, but I reread it again just last year is essentialism. Um, it's the disciplined pursuit of less by Greg McGowan. Oh, and nutshell is do less, but do it better. Seek clarification on what you're really after 
take time to really understand what it is you need to do and then create boundaries so that you get to do the thing that you're supposed to do. And if it means you need to have a conversation with your partner, or if it means you need to have a conversation with your friends, or if it means you need to have a conversation with your boss, seeking clarity about what you actually need to be spending your time on and pursuing the essential aspect of what it is that you need to do is so unbelievably freeing and, and just detangles the knots of stress that we all get in when we try to multitask all the time. Um, I was recently having a conversation with one of my colleagues and I highlighted to her a conversation that I had had recently with my boss about essentially about essentialism, even though I didn't say that he had asked me to do what I realized was way too much within a period of time. And the job that I was hired to do, I was doing it very well. And some of the things that he was asking me to do were kind of outside the scope of what I was hired to do. And they were very, very time consuming. And they, they frankly weren't things I was even very good at. Hmm. And so I just called him up and I said, I said, Hey man, we need to have a talk. I'm trying to do X and Y at the same time. And I'm really struggling. And what I realized after I took a step back was I, I don't think I can do both. In fact, I know I can't do both. So I think I should just do X cause that's what I was hired to do. That's what's created the most impact from my role. Um, and that, that also means that I can't do Y and frankly, I'm not very good at Y. So if you want me to do Y, I can, you're the boss, but then I can't do X. And he was just like, oh, you know, I just, I didn't realize that. I'm really sorry. And yeah, you should totally just focus on X. And I ended up having like the best performance year like I've ever had. And I was, I was recounting this story to my, to my colleague. And she was like, I can't believe that you actually had that conversation with your boss. And I was like, why, why can't you believe that? I? She was like, I've just never felt like I could do that. And I'm like, you're not asking to not do your job. You're asking to be allowed to do your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So or just, direct your it, focus to where you're going to be more uh, uh, effective. Yeah. Again, uh, back to like what I was talking about with like Alan Watts or the reason I'm reading Brief History of Time is like, I'm just really obsessed with this idea that um, in order to, to live a life of, of wisdom and purpose, you need to have a good relationship with reality. And in order to have a good relationship with reality, you need to have an accurate assessment of what you can do, what you want to do, what you're capable of, where your desires are, where your gifts are, and how that actually aligns with reality. Not what your ego wants reality to be, but what it actually is. And, and learning how to have, you know, the kind of, kind of conversations and creating plans and uh, learning and listening in order to create as much contact between the real you and the reality that you find yourself in. It, it's wonderful. It's just, you want to talk about spirituality. I mean, that is like, it, it's fire, man. Yeah, it. It, it, it preaches well to a society that is just 
absolute burnout culture. Like we, you know, it, we, we compare, um, just the way that we operate from, from, uh, well, pretty much all perspectives to like say Europe, you know, the amount of time that they give and provide their employees, um, compared to us, like we, we just redline <laughs> like oh. nonstop. We are just a fast food culture, just driving ourselves into the ground. Like mm-hmm. you remember when we went to Europe, I was you know, just going to say, I know what you're yeah. going to say right now. Yeah. Like I, I, I even, I think I warned you guys. I was like, look, I go, everything is just slower paced. It, it's not that like nobody's in a hurry, but like they, they appreciate, uh, wind down in a way that we don't even understand. Mm-mm. And it's, you will feel so good <laughs> within like a day of being mm-hmm. there. Once you accept it, the flow of things over there and you just kind of roll with it and you, and you acclimate to it. Like any stress that you were carrying with you will be gone. I'm with you, man. Travel abroad, travel mm. abroad because Americans are insane. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, do Canadians operate that way? Our Canadian friends should let us know. That I, I do not know. Yeah, I've not spent enough time in Canada to have any opinion on the on the subject. I watch a lot of Letter Candy and Shorzy, but that's the extent of it. <laughs> that's all I know. It's a one, both wonderful shows. So thank you, Canada. <laughs> oh man, um, fun, fun times. I gotta say that the one book I don't think I've hyped enough on the podcast is um, I don't know if you got a chance to read the the most recent one from Jonathan Martin, our boy. Um, no, did, did he write another one after how to survive a shipwreck? Yeah. So he wrote, and, and honestly, this is my favorite book he's ever done. Um, the road is called the road away from God, how love finds us even as we walk away. Oh, cool. And it's based off of this idea that he had. And I think we discussed it the first time he was on, uh, where he talked about he's, he's, he was fascinated with this idea of, um, after the crucifixion and the disciples are on the road to Emmaus and they're walking away. Oh Yeah from the crucifixion and even on the road, as they're walking away, they find Jesus walking alongside them. Mm -hmm. So even as they, you know, are walking away technically from God, God finds them where they're at. Love that man. And it's this beautiful, it's, it's literally the book that if I had written a book on, on, um, everything that we've learned, uh, if you want to call it deconstruction or a spiritual journey or evolution or whatever you want to call it, um, that that would have been the book. He 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 nailed it. I mean, oh, I man, would recommend great. that to anybody who is struggling and is just figured out, you know, that they're kind of on this path. Um, I would recommend that book highly. Like that would be a good book to start with. It's very easy read. He's a great writer. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's brilliant. I love that. Um, I think that if I could kind of put my my reading journey in a nutshell. It's I used to read to explicitly find out who God was. And in order to do that, you need to make sure you have the right content and the right books because, oh my gosh, you could get led astray. And what if somebody's a false teacher or, you know, whatever. And it was this very uh, intentional search for concrete answers that reveal explicitly and intentionally to me who God is. So then I can know him and then I can know that I'm right. And I can feel, again, I'm just satiating my ego. That's afraid. 
and what I've realized is, is that God hides himself in all of reality. So if you pursue the, the joy of just learning about reality, you find God walking beside you saying, yep, there I am. Yep. There too. Yep. There too. Yep. Oh yeah. And by the way, even when you learn about yourself, like that, it's, it's the indirect approach. Yeah. Instead of the direct approach, which is that, I mean, that's been, that's been a lifelong lesson for me, man. It's like when you, when you try to force something and you try really, really hard to get the knowledge of something, uh, the wisdom usually eludes you. But when you kind of drop that and you relax and you pursue something indirectly, you end up learning a lot more. You know, like, like Viktor Frankl's famous quote, which is, is another one of the best books I've ever read, Man's Search for Meaning, that joy cannot be pursued. It can only ensue. <laughs> you, have to, you have to look for something else in order to get it. So, yeah, Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, Marcus Aurelius, Alan Watts, Richard Rohr, John freaking Steinbeck. There's one you haven't mentioned yet, and I'm shocked because you were obsessed with this book. For uh, you could not stop preaching it from the hilltops. Which one, uh, Brothers Karamazov? Oh my gosh! Yeah, Ab- you were absolutely. Like, this is the greatest book I've ever read. <laughs> um, I think I read that so long ago that I, I I thought maybe I'd talked about it maybe on the podcast. So oh yeah, Brothers Karamazov is absolutely wonderful. You want to talk about somebody that. Uh, was hard baked in the crucible of suffering in Russia. I mean, Dostoevsky was sentenced to, to death. He, you know, worked in a work camp for years. And as he was about to be executed, literally was the firing squad was lined up. He was about to be executed. They stayed his execution. I mean, this guy has suffered and he understands what it means to be human and to wrestle with humanity and reality and, and to learn and to love and to grow and the complexity of, of what it means to be humans wrestling with reality. The brothers Karamazov is, is absolutely wonderful. Father Zosima is one of the best characters of all literature. That's, that's one that's, it's on my list. I haven't read it yet, but it reminds me of, um, uh, another book that I like that's considered a classic and they just, um, I think this, I'm sure they've made other versions of the movie, but they just put a movie version out on Netflix that I've been saving. Um, it's also subtitled, so I have to be paying full attention to it, but, um, I don't know. Have you ever read all quiet on the Western front? No, I've never read it. Um, I'm going to screw this name up, but Eric Maria remark, uh, R E M A R Q U E. Um, that, that book, I think, I think people should read simply because it's a story of German soldiers during world war one mm-hmm. from the German side. Oh man. And, and what you find, and it's been a long time since I've read it. I, I want to reread it before I watch the movie, but um, it, it really like humanizes the enemy, so to speak. And so like you see that these are also young men, you know, children really uh, who are also suffering the horrors of war, just like we did. Um, mm. many of whom don't want to even be there. You know, they can't, they're like, they talk about it in the book, how they can't wait for the war to be over so they can go back to being farmers or oh, you know, whatever their occupation is. But it, it really like in this 
you know, state of like us versus them, this mm. kind of dualistic, you know, um, demonizing of the enemy and, uh, and all that, like we, we really, it, it really makes you take a step back and say, okay, is it, or, or is it the political powers who are, who are playing a chess match here? Um, you know, really, and it, and it's the people who are suffering the most. And we would really probably share a beer with one of their citizens because none of us want this, you know? Um, so but it's true, an absolutely man. powerful, powerful book. So I, which I is by the way, the whole point of the book, the outsiders. Yeah. These two groups that hate, hate each other exactly alike. Yep. Um, I got to run here in a second. I, 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 and I, I apologize to you and, no, and the yeah. listeners, but, <laughs> but let me just, let me just rattle off a few more. Yes. Um, one of the best nonfiction books I've read in the last few years. Well, I'll, I'll give you three really good ones. One super popular. If you haven't read the subtle art of not giving a fuck <laughs> kids around, sorry. Right. <laughs> it really is fantastic. Um, it's not just a kitschy, you know, pop culture, self-help book. Uh, Mark Manson does a really good job distilling a lot of philosophical schools into really digestible, accessible nuggets of very concise wisdom. Um, thinking fast and slow by Dan Kahneman. Um, even if you don't read the whole thing, if you, if you get the big bits out of, um, what it means to have implicit bias and system one and system two thinking phenomenal. Um, in that same vein, the righteous mind by John Haidt, Jonathan Haidt, the righteous mind, one of the best books I've ever read, literally to the point that I see and have seen humanity differently ever since I read that book. And it's so incredibly helpful. Yeah. And um, if you need one novel to read East of Eden, always, but one that I just read that I really liked by (laughs) Anthony Dewar, it's uh, Cloud Cuckoo Land. Oh, I don't know that one. It is, it's a book for people that love to read because it's a book about how books have held us together over millennia. So with that... (laughs) <laughs> I have to sign off and go have uh, dinner with the family, which I'm excited to do. Hey, send my love. Thanks for doing this, man. It's good. Yeah, to see I love you, you and I uh, love all of love our listeners. Too, Thanks for sticking with us and great job on the podcast, John. Thanks buddy. I am helpless. This water I am treading is now my own. I'm afraid. Time has come. I wish for one more time to see the sun. Better days, a distant scene. Now I am not sure what I believe. Do you? Spirit of
hoping that's the story my life will tell. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.